Uh, turn, if you will, to John. I'm changing format a bit uh, because I've been uh, haunted, so I'm trying something that uh, no matter what I say, if the statistics are true, you won't remember it in three days because 95% of what I'm going to say you won't remember. But I am such an effective, outstanding speaker, you will retain 10%. Um, and so I'm trying uh, the uh, blank approach and fill out to engage you folks that will, you cannot sleep at night unless the blank is filled in. Anybody that way? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm doing it uh, uh, because I don't want you to forget what we're going to say. Okay. And so uh, it's going to make me less preachy, which you've been praying for. And... Uh, maybe more informative. The truth sets you free, not my style. The truth. It's the truth I want you to understand. Is that fair? And I want to apologize. Uh, as I got into the message, I cannot cover 18 verses. We'll be covering five. Okay? And so let us read. In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And without him, not Darwin, him, was not anything made that was made. Only God can animate dust and call it a man. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Some say comprehend it. Now, just to help you, we're going to be going through this. Verse 14 says something about the Word that uh, sets him apart. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, this is God's Word. Amen? The prophet said one would come, and there's over 40 prophecies just about his coming to the earth, just birth and events that would surround that. He would be born of the seed of a woman. God would send a deliverer that would obviously come through a birth canal, and a woman would have a part. As Eve was a part of the fall, through a woman would come a redeemer. The seed would come. The prophet said a remarkable thing in Isaiah 7, 14, that a virgin would conceive. How is this possible? 
Well, it's only possible in Luke 1 that the Spirit overshadowed Mary, overshadowed, don't want to be too blunt, ovaries, overshadowed the whole procreative process on the woman's side, and God himself provided the counterpart. Without Joseph, without any human seed, God provided a seed and by means of a virgin Jewish girl and gave us a Messiah, uncontaminated by the fall and the human race. You see, every human being that has a child gives birth to something like them called a sinner. God got rid of the combination. He got the humanity from a woman, but he provided the divine counterpart so Christ is born without the corruption of sin, without the curse of sin on him, the only perfect man that's ever been born. And the prophet said it would come through a virgin birth. We really don't believe in the virgin birth. We really believe in a natural birth, but a virgin conception. The birth was natural. The conception was supernatural. Don't get confused on what I just said. Think it through. Uh, I see that glare over your eyes. And when we give you as much coffee as we do for nothing, you ought to be awake. Uh, and he said he would be called the Son of God. He would be called the Son of God. He'd be called the Son of Jesse. And if we had time, we would just do a whole message on what the prophet said about who would come, and Jesus fulfilled all of that. He'd be born in Bethlehem. Uh, we even have prophecies that there would be wailing in Rama, and that women would be wailing. Why? Because Herod would kill all the children beneath the age of two years of age. On and on, the prophets said one was coming. And then, and we'll pick it up next week, on who people said this Christ was when he came. Everything from a child of immorality, from a son of a demon, to all the way across, and we will consult and look at what the different contemporaries of Christ's day said, who is this man? The biggest question in your life, and probably the only quiz in your life, you must have an absolute right answer, or you flunk. Who is Christ? And he asked them, who do you say that I am? I ask you, who is this Christ? Who is Christ? Who is this Jesus? Oh, a moralist, uh, a, an ethical teacher, uh, uh, a rabbi, uh, a, a nice man. Even Muslim world says he's a nice man. Uh, he was a prophet. Uh, the question is, who is this man, and it demands an absolute right answer or your whole eternal destiny can be affected. Now, we want to walk through and look at John, and I only got to verse 5 and found eight things he said this man is. And let's look at it. You take, and you take these notes, and then you get a pen, and you write. And uh, then we will take a test after the sermon and see how much you remember. Uh, number one, he is given the title 
of the Word. And we could spend uh, all five hours, if we wanted to, discussing all the views of the, this term, the Word. It was a loaded term among philosophers of the day, among Gnostic teachers. Logos is the word. We get our word logic from it. And uh, monologue, uh, one word, dialogue, two, the word log, there's from Logos. And uh, this title, he's called The Word. Uh, but the word does not come from the philosophers of Greece. It's more a loaded word. It was a word that came from the Hebrew. And the concept is in the beginning. Does that sound familiar? Where else would you find that in the Bible? Whew, good, you got it. And when the Hebrews thought of the word, debar, the word when it was used of God was a uh, creative word. By the word of God were the heavens made. By the word of God, all of creation came into existence. I mean, we are staggered. Do you mean God didn't have a systematic plan uh, that he worked with clay and then he uh, did this? No, uh, it goes this way. Let there be light. <laughs> didn't take a billion years. Didn't take a trillion years. It just took a divine word. Let there be light. I mean, how can I plumb the depth of that? Uh, let there be, and it happened. A creative, powerful, dynamic word. Now, when you think about a word, a word gives expression to your thought, how you're thinking, expression to the power. If I was a man of great authority and great power, I could say, kill them. And just like that, your life is extinguished. It's who says the word. So it's a loaded term. And so one of the titles of Christ is, he is the self-revelation of God. He is the powerful word of God. Hebrews 1 said, God has spoken to us various ways in various times in history. He's used dreams. He's used visions. He's used prophets. He's used miracles. But in these last days, he speaks to us in one called a son. Everything God has to say about himself finally is consummated in Christ. God, Christ is God's final word to the human race. Everything I want you to know that I am and that I'm about, I'm going to say it in this one I send called the Word. He's called the Word. We go on. Uh, here's a struggle, and watch this. And the Word was with God. Huh. And interesting here, now, now wait, this must be, this doesn't mean the Bible here when it says the Word. This, this is an animated person. It's not talking about, and the Bible was with God. 
No, this person called the Word, the Word was facing God in intimate fellowship. So whoever they are, here's God, and you've got this one called the Word, and in the Greek, it's they're facing each other. It's hinting at equality. It's, it's hinting at uh, fellowship going on. And so this is going on. We've got the Word, and some of you think it's a King James Bible, but it's a divine person. He's called one who came in the flesh in verse 14, verse 18, facing God. Now watch. This is what's really hard on us. The Word was God. Wait. You told me here, John, the Word was facing God. I'm with you. Yeah, by the way, and the one we call the Word, he too is God. Do you get that? Do you see it? So, we, well, you can't have two gods. You said the Word's facing God. And now you're telling me the Word is God. So is the Word facing this when they switch and they go back and forth? I'm facing, and then I'm facing. No, 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 there's two persons here. One the Word, one called God. In your Bible, hear me, normally when you read the word God, in your mind, you ought to say, that's the Father. Okay? Normally. Old Testament as a whole. When you use the word God, we're talking about God the Father. You know what would be good for you as Christians is not just use the word God unless you qualify which person of the Godhead it is. Because we are Trinitarian. Our God is one but three. And you said, I knew it. Get the guys in the white coats. He's a psychic. He's off. He's had a mental breakdown. This is one reason I know the Bible wasn't written by men. It had to be God's revelation. Nobody would risk. But let me tell you what the Bible says. God talks about the Trinity. He's a compound unity. One God, three persons. How can that be? Have you ever heard of a compound unity? Let me give you an example. If I said, honey, buy me a cluster of grapes. How many? One cluster. How many grapes will be on a cluster? Who knows? Who cares? But it's still one, isn't it? She brought me in one that's composed of many. Do you think that's idiotic? Oh, what about in creation? And the morning and the evening were the what? First day. One with two parts, no problem. Here's the one you love. This is our favorite. Husband and wife come to one opinion. No, no, no. They become what? And we're still trying to figure out what that means. Because we don't always agree. And we're certainly not ditto. No. And we're sure not alike. I'm married 100 degrees out from what I am. I mean, 
It's a wonder me and the girls didn't drive her crazy. She loves quietness, reflection. We like music, dancing, craziness, and just idiocy, as you could see in my daughters. <laughs> They're not here. I'll clean it up in the second sermon. Uh, but she's a quiet, easy, doesn't matter. We're one. The mystery of marriage is that oneness. It's more than sex. It's more than babies. It's a, it's a mystery. After 48 years, I haven't figured it out. It's a mystery. And so our God is one. But he's three persons so that we're told to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why didn't he say baptize in the names of? Plural. There's one, one that's God, but three divine persons. We're Trinitarian. I don't thank the Father for dying for me because he didn't die for me. And I don't pray to Jesus as a whole. I pray to the Father because Jesus told me to pray to the Father. Be Trinitarian. And here he's saying, wow, we've got two at least in this verse that are being called God. The word that was facing God, the Father, is being called God. Who could it be? Well, the only member of the Trinity that took on a human body in verse 14 was the Son. So this is God the Son in communion with his Father before there ever was a beginning. So back before anything ever began, these two are having intimate fellowship one with another. Now, verse 3. Uh, he, along with the Father, preceded everything that ever had a beginning. Are you there? He, he, nothing that's ever begun, whether it's matter, space, time, uh, people, animals, dinosaurs, whatever you want. He's before anything ever began. That's how far back he is. You see, uh, time is just this little space in there that God is acting out this drama with human beings. He, there was a time there were no human beings. You know that. You know, there was just amoebas. There were just gases waiting to explode, come together and create us. No, no, there was a time... They were before anything, gases, amoeba, lakes, swamps, dinosaurs, human beings, uh, gorillas, before anything. In the beginning, this is the eternality of the Son along with the Father. I used to always be staggered by that. There was a time when God enjoyed himself without angels, without human beings, without creation. They, they existed without us at one time. And this little space, he's showing off his grace, his patience, his glory. See, God doesn't need us to be God. 
He was doing very well without us. We've made the mess that he's been cleaning up in Jesus. And there will be a time when one part of the race will be excluded from him for eternity, and the rest of us will get to jump into his eternity and say, this is what it's like being with me forever. This is what it was like before. Father, show them the glory I have with you before I ever came and share this glory so they'll be with me forever. We're going to share eternal life with God the Son. And the book of John is going to explain how you can have that life. This is wonderful. It is just, I'm just trying to be calm and academic. Let's keep going. Look in verse, he goes on. He was in the beginning with God. Now, if you're Trinitarian, how would you read? Who is the he? He was in the beginning with God. He, the who? The one he called the Word. He's described, he was with one called God. And what do we call God? Normally, if it's not qualified in the verse, what do you call God? God the Father. He was with God the Father in the beginning. Watch this. Take this to your biology class. All things were made through him. And without a billion years, they were not made. No. He doesn't need time. That's why we don't make the earth billions of years. It doesn't have to be. If it is, so what? And without him, Christ, was not anything made that was made. Hasn't the Trinity taken a science class? When's God going to get a microscope? We have this tension going on with Christians. How do we harmonize science with Scripture? Who said we had to? Let's don't be idiots. We're not against biology. I took enough medicine to get pain this morning with my back. I thank God, except for how much the pharmaceuticals are charging me. They're ripping us off. It's too much. Why charge 500% for a product that costs 10 cents? And I see in the paper today our health costs is going out the window so high our wages can't keep up to pay our health benefits. But he says he created all things. So we're talking about a creator God. And uh, look at uh, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Uh, are you there? Hebrews 11. It's right before Revelation. After Genesis. Okay. Eleven six. And no, no, that's not what I want. I want a three. By faith, we understand that the 
the universe was created by evolution. By what? By God's command, by the Word of God. How can that be? Well, if you knew what God was like, you know God could do it. If you've got a God of your own making, he's limited to your finite mind. Our God is beyond your mind. He's got more power than you can imagine. Saving you is Twinkie work. He's been dealing with galaxies. He's got power. He's holding the universe together by the word of his power. And here he creates it so that what is seen was not made of things that are visible. He didn't need, he created the dirt that made the mountains. He created everything by the word of his power. And Colossians said, he's before everything, he's firstborn, for all things were made through him, by him, and for him. This universe is his, and I love that dead preacher, McGee. If you don't like God's universe, make one of your own. In the meantime, you're living on his property. You're living in his, on his stage. He's the creator of everything. It is amazing to me that we have to defend uh, intelligent design, as we call it. That we have to re, we're trying to rescue our kids from saying, you go back to nothing, and out of nothing, something comes. We don't know what that something is. It might have been a big bang. It may be uh, just evolutionary process, the amoeba, one cell uh, organism just grows. Uh, it goes through all these stages. We lived in the sea. Uh, we, we walked on all fours. We lived in caves. Uh, we did all this stuff. And this is the educated you. For you know there was nothing back there. Nothing back there. It just happened. And if you need an extra billion years to justify the plan, I want, to ask, I want to ask one question. Where was the science department a billion years ago? Where is the empirical evidence? Where is the evidence under a, uh, a laboratory? It's all speculation. It's all theory. I can't get rid of it. I'm not but it's trying. I'm just telling you what God said. I created it. I made it. I said it in Genesis. I'll say it again in John. I'll say it again in Hebrews. I'll say it again in Colossians. I'll say it over and over in the Psalms. I am a creator God that can make something out of nothing. That's why I could do something with you. I can take what you are, and as I found you, and the Creator can create a brand new life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. God can do that. But if you don't think he can do it for the physical universe, how do you think he can do it in your spiritual life? Do not emasculate God of his power, his deity, and his attributes. He can do what he said he's done. He wrote a book to tell you what he did. So... Moving right along. Five. I want you to correct this. The spelling is wrong on five. Uh, without the word, nothing, just eliminate the word not, could have been made. 
Everything was made by him. Then he goes on. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. When you read the book of John, life and light are used more in the book of John than I think any other book in the Bible. And when he's talking about life in the book of John, he is going to be talking about eternal kind of life. And uh, we'll look at that a little bit more. But uh, it's up in here. He said, the, the word in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Um, the old Latin word was he had aseity. He had life in himself. We call it self-existent. Uh, older theologians said he is the uncaused cause. Have you ever asked the question, who made God? Who made God? How did he show up? And what he's saying here, I'm the uncaused cause. Nobody made me. See, you're, you had to have a cause outside of you to make you. Parents. Procreation. And, and that's true of all, all the universe. None of the stars made themselves. God takes credit. He said, I ought not only made the stars, I named them. Uh, but to be the uncaused cause, so this means the triune God, I have life in and of myself. Nobody gave this life because I'm God. I'm self-existent. I'm uncaused. I've always been around. I'm before anything ever began. I'm eternal. Uh, I'm having fellowship with God the Father from the beginning. Uh, everything that got made, I made. And I and my Father and the Spirit are the only uncreated beings in all the universe. And later, Gnostic false teachers in the first century that John constantly was in debate with, they said Christ, being human, had to be less than God, had to have a beginning because he was human, and their view, matter, was evil, so he could not be fully God. That was the Gnostic error. How can something God, spirit, immaterial, invisible, incorporeal, how could this God ever be touched, ever seen? God cannot be tangible. Yet John, 1 John 1 says, we've seen this God, we've heard this God, we've touched this God. He became where we can touch him. This is the miracle of him coming to earth. This God's been around all. Oh, he didn't begin in Bethlehem. The one that began in Bethlehem was a human nature joined to this person, hanging out with the Trinity for all eternity. And he's going to step into space and time and let us touch him, let us spit on him, let us curse him, let us kill him. This is the miracle of it. This life is like light. Number seven, this life is like light, or life in manifestation. When we say Christ is the light, he's not a giant light bulb. 
He didn't come into the room and people said, oh, the light's so bright. They didn't do that. I represent God's life in manifestation. And I think that's the way when we say walk in the light. Are you walking in the light? If I ask you that, well, what do you mean? That you have a light bulb or an aura shining around you? You walk with a miner's hat? No, no, no. Light is used of moral purity. It's used of a divine way of doing things. So we are called children of light. We're called to let our light shine. But let our life manifest the life of God. So Christ was God's life on display, manifested, given full expression. Finally, he says, this is the amazing thing, this light shines in the darkness. Once again, used in a moral, spiritual way. He's not talking about a city without PG&E. He's talking about man's lost estate, man apart from Christ. God says men without Christ are sitting in darkness. It's just they've never seen the life of God. The lights have never, you know, we use the expression, the lights have never come on. I don't get it. I don't see it. I, I know you don't. That's what we struggle with when I know people who hear me nearly every week and they're still unsaved. I think, what is keeping them from being saved? They're in the darkness, and unless God chooses to remove the blinders, they will sit under preaching and perish without Christ because preaching will not do it. The lights have to come on. Have they come on for you? He said, look at, look at a verse with me. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Verse 3. 2 Corinthians 4, 3. Walk in the Spirit, and you'll know what passage the pastor's referring to. And even if our gospel is, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. I don't see it. It's veiled. We're talking Christ, the gospel. I don't see it. I don't get it. We know you don't. And we, what we've christened you, well, I shared the gospel with them. I, I took them through it. You know, they should have got it. You, Billy Graham, George Whitfield, or nobody else could make them get it. Watch. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of who is the God of this world? He offered Christ the kingdoms of this world, remember? It was a real temptation because he could offer it. To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. By the way, very few people get saved just seeing the goriness of the cross. Making the cross gory and practicing patripassionism, keeping him dead. How bloody can we make it? 
nailing somebody during Easter season on a cross and have the blood, all that. It's not the gore of the cross that saves. It's the glory of Christ that saves. He's not a gory God. The ugliness in him was a puffed-up, beaten face. But let me tell you, he's altogether lovely. He's the loveliest thing in all creation after the cross. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Our young people say, if I follow Christ, you mean that's better than the thing I'm, yeah. Who is the image of God for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Hear me, hear me. Every one of you that are born again, I mean really born again, God did something as creative and as powerful as he did in Genesis 1-1. He spoke and the light broke through, the veil rent over your understanding of Christ in your perception, and then it was as though a brand new Genesis 1-1 happened. God said, let the light shine in, let them see who Christ is, and you were born again. This is a divine creation. The church can't make it happen. The choir can't make it happen. I can't make it happen. Only the Spirit of God. And if God so chooses, he could see that I preach another 100 years here and nobody be saved. Because what the church ought to be praying for is the Spirit of God to do what teachers and preachers and all the rest of us cannot do. Only God could speak that word, let there be light. Let there be light. And God's got to speak that word to your children or they won't be saved. You can drag them to this place all their life. It won't make them saved. Keep them in every youth program. They won't be saved. The light has to shine through, and we've got great competition. The devil blinds people, and according to Matthew 13, he will steal all the gospel seed we sow today unless God thwarts his activity because he comes to snatch the word, and all of a sudden you go, you start watching a ball game on TV, and he said, I was touched some way. I've seen people, they've been touched but not changed. They wept. They were, it's an emotional service. They were this. Have you followed Christ? No, but I go down there, I cry all the time. I have people say that. It's a great church to have a nervous breakdown in. It's so emotional. And did you know you cry a lot and never be saved? You cry when you've been notified your husband's leaving you. Emotion doesn't save you, it's seeing Christ receiving Christ, believing in Christ. And he said, the darkness, there's a debate here over this word, has not overcome it. It's used two ways. Overcome means they have not been able to defeat this light. They have not been able to turn it off. No matter what men do, this light keeps on shining. And that's the ESV translation. Do some of you have it translated comprehend? Any of you, okay? That's the other idea, because from the Greek word, you can do it. It sees, 
to grasp with the mind. The others, the darkness has not been able to comprehend it. That's the other view. They, they don't get it. They don't understand it. They, who this person is. They can't see it. They're in darkness. I don't get it. I need more information. You need to be better at apologetics. I need more arguments. How many fingers do you have raised? Somebody raise a few fingers. I don't see it. Come on. Maybe you need to raise more. When I'm blind, and he said we're blind, until God speaks the word to rent this mental, intellectual, volitional curtain over us, we will never see it. It's an IQ thing. No, it's not. We have seven-year-olds getting saved. Not saying that they're not, they don't have normal IQ, but I'm saying the child can get it. And over here, a PhD misses it. What's going on? Is this an IQ test? Everybody that's brilliant gets to go to heaven. Well, he's going to leave a lot of us behind. I've never been nominated for brilliance. Unless you become like a child, you can never enter. So, this life that was in Christ, it cannot be defeated or overcome by men or Satan. And alternate understanding is not comprehended by those in darkness unless God says, let there be light. So, our creator, self-existent, eternal God, says in the book of John, the book of John was written. Let me give you, not many books leave the understanding to the book at the back of the book, but look at John 20. This is why we tell people for years, read John, because of this purpose for the book. John 20, verse 30. Are you there? Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples. John mentioned seven to eight, so there are many others which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may, that Jesus is the Christ. Now, let me say this. Don't talk about just Christmas. Sequampatia was telling me in the Muslim world, and in the world of religious debate, they'll talk to you all day about Christ because it's like a prophet, the anointed one. It's an office. The offense is when you say, Jesus is the Christ. And a lot of language is going around. I believe in Christ. Who do you mean by Christ? Do you mean Jesus that was born in Bethlehem is the anointed Messiah of God? Oh, no. I'm just talking about there is one coming, Messiah, a prophet. The, no, 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 no. We believe that in believing you will see that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God, which is a claim to equality, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You know what? The only thing standing between you 
and heaven and hell is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing in who he is, and once you believe in who he is, he can't be less than what John says. He's the Son of God, the Word, the eternal, self-existent Creator God, who in the book of John goes to the cross for you. Believing in him gives you the gift of eternal life. And I want to say this. Uh, eternal life does not mean just duration of life. In the book of John, he says, eternal life, 17.3, is to know me. So he qualifies that eternal life is more than duration. I think Satan lasts forever. I think those who follow him last forever, but they don't have this kind of eternal life, the kind of life Christ had, uh, this fullness, this, we don't become gods, but we begin to possess that quality of life that's only found in God, peace, uh, joy, uh, of course, to live forever with him, to be in heaven in a divine environment like paradise that we lost was meant to be. When you receive Christ, you're going to get something more. You know, if you told me I'm going to live forever, but it's going to be in a hospital, I wouldn't be interested. I want to know what I'll be forever. Eternal life says you'll be where I am. You'll be with me. You'll be safe. You'll be loved. You'll be held in my hands. There'll be no night there. You'll enjoy all the ramifications of what heaven's like in Revelation 21 and 22. This is who we're looking at who came at Christmas time. Next week, we'll pick up what the people said that were around, that were contemporaries with Christ, who they said he was. We'll go, take it from his birth. We'll take Anna, Simeon, Zechariah. John the Baptist, Satan, demons, uh, right on who they said he was. I ask you, are the merchants and the, uh, the master theme of our culture is to snuff out God the Son? They hate it that you put Jesus Christ in this holiday. They stole the holiday. It was the religious community that brought it. But is it not amazing? Hear me now, and don't get uptight. Isn't it amazing we've been better at selling a myth and a fable to our kids more than the Christ story? I mean, to think that what I need is going to come from the North Pole, where did that come from? And that a big fat man with a beard is the one that gives the gifts. Look at it, honey. I'm the one that gives my kids the gift. And I don't need a red suit. I mean, but we lie through our teeth and wonder, say, now when you get old enough, we'll tell you the truth. What you ought to do is say, tonight, Daddy would like to read you the Christmas story. It's all a myth, but let me read it so you know it. Now, the next night, let me read you the one that's not a myth, that's not made up. And uh, is it not wonderful? Christmas is God giving us a gift. I like for our ushers to prepare. We're going to close in a final song. 
And I want to say to you, thank you so much for your commitments last week. We're trying to cover our payments for January, February, March. Those payments are around 33, our mortgage, 33000 a month. The commitment cards that came in, you committed 38000 a month. So if they come in, we will surely meet the mortgage. And what a divine, wonderful thing. Let me say this. If our offerings the rest of this month stay like they were last week, we will uh, wind up for our first year in probably 20 years from April on when we appealed to you and you gave so freely and so generously. From April on, it's been the first time in 20 years that this church has been in the black through all those months because of your generosity and your kindness. We, we thank God for you. We know these are perilous times for finances and homes, and everybody needs your, your money. The rescue, they need it. We need it. Uh, there's nobody that supports us but you under God. And so we just want to say thank you. Don't become weary in well-doing. Uh, please, please do it. Uh, we don't want you writing a check and throwing it in the coffin. You can't do the corpse any good. Do your giving while you're breathing, while you have an income, while you can. The day will come where you might not be able to. Our Father, we thank you for... We thank you that uh, you supply, you give through your people. We thank you for the generous commitment that was made to pay our rent in the first quarter of next year. We thank you for that. We thank you for the uh, general fund offering, the missions offering, the agape fund offering. It gives us money to distribute to many poor uh, people in our congregation that are hitting hard times. We want to be gracious. Continue to supply according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen.